This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Dan Grosser Show. But do you see what's coming into town this weekend? The St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals stink. They're the worst team in the National League this year. So if the Mets want to turn this thing around, anything less than two out of three this weekend by the Mets will basically tell you nothing's changed. It's same old, same old. And guess what? I guarantee you on the other side of things, the Cardinals are probably looking at this weekend and saying, hey guys, what a perfect opportunity we have to begin to turn our season around because we're playing the stinky Mets. So they're probably thinking to themselves, hey, if we're ever going to get this thing kicked into high gear and start to live up to expectations, this weekend is the time to do it. This is the Dan Grosser Show. We'll be talking Gold Cup by then next week. Oh, I can't wait for that. When is the Gold Cup, by the way? Next week. <laughs> USA <laughs> play Jamaica. <laughs> On 98.7. That is the telephone number at Dan Grosses where you can get me uh, on Twitter. Where is the where, where are they having the gold cup though? Like it, it, what venue? What venue? Yeah, like where where are they playing the gold cup? It's all over. It's all over the place. Yeah, I mean only in the United States? Yes. Only in the US. What's the, what's the closest one to here? Red Bull Arena. Oh, do you get tickets for that? I already got my tickets. How many games you get? I'm only going to one. Which one? Uh, El Salvador against uh, Costa Rica. Now, why'd you pick that game? Because my my country is El Salvador. Well, I, that, that's great, but it's also part of a doubleheader. Um, so, do you get to go to the second game too? Yeah, it's at six thirty. What's the second game? Is it the Red Bulls? No, Panama is playing uh, another team. I forget who. A team that you can't be bothered with because you didn't remember the name. Well, they're not. They're, they're still. Um, you think you're going to stay for both games? Yes. When is that? The thirtieth. June. Yep. That's I, a that's a Saturday, right? Uh, Friday. Friday. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Not really the same thing, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The Rebels. Uh, so wait a sec. So it starts at six thirty. Is the first game, or when's when's the first game? First game is at six thirty. Next game is at eight thirty. They're gonna be able to get them both in. Of that's course. That's gonna be a late night. You that's... think they sell that out? Yes, absolutely. For El Salvador, absolutely. Now, do you get your same seats that you get, like, are they your same seats for the Red Bulls? Yes, but I upgraded to a first row. So, wait a sec. So, you're in the second row normally yeah. for the Red Bulls, mm-hmm. and you upgraded one row? Yeah. You weren't satisfied with just being in the second row? No, I mean, it's just, it's not me that's going. It's my dad and I as well. He's not satisfied being in the second row? Uh, he doesn't really care. Well, I mean, like, but you guys are, I mean, like, you're in the second row. I mean, it's like, how, how much more can you get? This isn't like upgrading from, like, the silver medal to the gold medal. I mean, second row to the first row, it's it's really kind of, like, arbitrary, don't you think? One thing that I've been told in sports is that nothing beats two except for one. So, <laughs> And apparently when you're watching a soccer game. Oh, I can't wait, man. It's no, I, I, it sounds like a happening place. You know, Red Bulls, June 30th, Friday night, Gold Cup action. Oh, baby. Red Bulls will be in Columbus that weekend. So now do they have like a champ like are they having like a championship or whatever for the for the gold cup? Where would that be held? Not around here, would it? No, that'll be held in uh SoFi. SoFi okay. Everything is SoFi. Everything is so they love that place out there. Everything is NFL stadiums, man. The World Cup is gonna be there. the World Cup final is gonna be there too, I'm telling you. I hope not, man. Uh, you just got that feeling. Remember the last time the World Cup was here in ninety four, they played it at um the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. Out on the West Coast. They love that California stuff with the soccer. So there's your Gold Cup update. Week before it starts. Nowhere else you're getting that type of content than right here on this program. 
on this very station. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let me say hi to Art. He is in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7. Artie, how are you, bud? Dan, you're the man. All right. So, I, can you help me understand something, mm-hmm. right? They lost, they lost, the Mets lost a lot, all right? Yeah. The guy is rocking in the minor leagues. Raking. 17 errors. He's got a DH. Wait, can you explain to me any reason not bringing this kid up? Who are we talking about any now? Any reason. Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah. And I never saw him play. <laughs> I just know that he's, he's killing it down, down there in the minors. And, and they lost it. The Mets lost their, their, their best setup. They're not scoring any runs. Well, what's the reason? They moved him to the outfield, believe it or not, just to find ways to get him in the lineup. So he's playing some left field now, and he's never played the outfield before. They're just finding ways so they can incorporate his bat into things. I just saw a clip. They're playing tonight. They're playing against uh, the Buffalo Bisons. And Mauricio, somebody somebody hit one down the left field line. Mauricio went to the corner to go dig it out, and he had a hard time even retrieving the ball. So, again, it's a work in progress. They're not calling him up here. And, and throwing him out in the outfield if he proved that he can't play the position in AAA. Did, did, does anybody realize that the Mets have a DH? They need a, there's a DH in the National League now. I understand anybody that totally. Need- but remember, you got, a guy, you got a guy, first of all, in Vientos, who everybody wants to see play, who proves right. that, you know, like last night, that's not a guy that I would trust playing first base. You know, that was an error that he made that could have really cost them the game last night. So he's probably right. going to have to factor in as a DH. You got other guys that are getting at bats, like at Beatty, for example, if you want to get Escobar's glove onto the field. You know, Tommy Pham, whatever. They've got – the Mets' problems right now is they've got too many guys that kind of all fit in the same square peg. Right. I, I I got it. I, I they got a lot of DHs. Right. But I, I don't know if they if the if the Mets management knows about the, the Mets history and how many guys they messed up by trying to give them get them in the lineup by giving them positions. You realize that Mauricio now that's that's this you know, hitting well is gonna be going out in left field and worrying about fielding and he's gonna forget about hitting. They don't realize that. Again he's got to a position shortstop and they put him out in left field. They they did the same thing with Samwell. He stunk it up. Todd Hundley was a catcher. They put him in left field. Stunk it up. Well, because they got I mean, Piazza. That's only, why. Only the Mets. Well, remember, there was no I, DH I, I got, then with Todd Hundley. Remember, right, in, in the National right, League, no. they got Piazza, and they had to find somewhere for Hundley's bat. Right. No, I got it. But it's just I, I don't understand that if they need it, if they lose their best hitter and this guy's hitting, I mean, I, I, they can't, they got to put him. They got to bring him up and let him hit. Well, where are you going to put him? I look at it. Where are you going to put like yes. right now? You got McNeil at second base. You got Lindor at shortstop. I know McNeil could play right. some left field and whatnot. I I understand that, but right now they don't think that there is room for this kid. Okay, all right. That's that's one. Number two. Mm-hmm. You, this is what I'm going to say, and it's a Jack question. Okay. Yeah. I think their weakest their weakest part of their team right now is their defense, especially their, their in their safeties. Okay. And nobody talks about it, but this kid that they got from the Ravens just got hurt. That's yep. why they picked up the Green Bay safety. They drafted a kid in the sixth round from LSU. I think Whitehead is their weakest link. This kid got burnt time after time deep. That's their weakness. Is this, this is the kid a starting safety? That's what I want to know. He's not going to be a starting safety right off the jump, Art. And thanks for the call, bud. I, you know, he's a guy who, if he makes the team, he's somebody that first and foremost is going to have to flash on special teams, right, to be able to get him on the field. And you're talking about – um, 
Converse is his name, his last name. I, I don't even know if he's going to be playing much safety, to be quite honest with you. Because they've got other guys right now, in addition to the player that they just signed in Adrian Amos, they like that kid Tony Adams, who was an undrafted free agent last year. Um, Ashton Davis is still on the roster. I mean, they still haven't cut ties with him, and he was you know, a third-round pick just a few years ago. They're stacked a little bit at that position. And ultimately, the best guys are going to be the ones that end up playing. But it is unfortunate, though, if indeed you know, the worst fears come true with Chuck Clark and he's going to be lost for the season. They had high hopes for him. You know, and Chuck Clark was a guy that when he was in Baltimore basically never played, never came off the field. The guy was durable. The guy played all the time. And, of course, he comes over here, he puts on a jet uniform, and the guy's reportedly out for the season before we even play a real game, before we even get to training camp. Right? And that's why everybody that sits there and screams and, and, and you know, and haws about everything about, you know, why they cancel minicamp, why they get well, – one of these reasons just play itself out there. What's the sense of potentially losing somebody to injury when you're not wearing pads, you're not having any contact or anything like that? Just get to the season in one piece. I hate, hate preseason injuries. Preseason, offseason, summertime, whatever you want to call it. I hate that. I just wish every team could get to week one, kick it off the season, 100% healthy, and then may the best team win. But that's not reality. All right, when we come back, we'll talk a little NBA, little Knicks, little Denver Nuggets parade today, which kind of went off the rails in a couple of spots. Nothing wrong with that. Then we'll talk baseball with Tyler Kepner a little bit later on this hour as well. Grasso Show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. One thing that I've been told in sports is that nothing beats two except for one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. We'll get into some Nick stuff here. And, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit last night. Don't know how many people heard it because you might have been watching the baseball game. But we talked about looking ahead to the summer and what it might entail for this team. And obviously you can't rest on your laurels, right? This club made strides this year. Opened a lot of eyes. Probably even exceeded expectations. Winning around. Giving the Miami Heat probably all that they could handle in round number two. But it was obvious they just ran out of gas. Nothing more, nothing less. They just ran out of gas because, you know what, they didn't have enough ammo. They couldn't go fire for fire with this Heat team. And it's, it's ironic saying that because what ultimately happened to the Miami Heat when it was all said and done? They didn't have enough ammo to go toe-to-toe with the Denver Nuggets, which means there's still work to do. 
Because it's not like that was the step before. No, they still had another step or two to go. So Leon Rose, his staff, they know what they have to do. And it's called they have to incorporate some help for Jalen Brunson, for Julius Randle, for R.J. Barrett, and everybody else that is expected to shoulder some of the load for this team. And the hot name here over the last couple of days has been Bradley Beal. Why? Well, because, remember, Washington, they just hired a brand-new front office. New people in charge. And you have to figure where they're at right now. They might decide that it's best to maybe retool a little bit. I don't want to say tank, but just strip the roster. You know, reset the cap, get some draft capital, build for the future, and then who knows, maybe we get a little bit lucky, make a couple of smart draft choices here and there, ping pong balls fall our way, and we're winning again a lot sooner than maybe we would if we just hung on to these expensive players. And when I say expensive players, you know, Kristaps Porzingis was somebody that's still on this team. Had a decent year last year, but you always got to worry about the injury concerns with him. He's got a player option. He's got one more year. $35, $36 million, I think, somewhere around there. I mean, say what you want about KP, and I'm sure that he would like to get a long-term deal someplace, but why wouldn't you opt in here and give yourself that type of a paycheck for one season? I'd be surprised if he doesn't do that. And then you deal with Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, they made a huge financial commitment to, did Washington. He's only one year into a $251 million contract. And here's the trickiest part about the whole thing. He's got a no-trade clause. You got a no-trade, that means you are the one that essentially has all the control about where you're going, if you're going, right? And that's why no-trade clauses, teams don't like handing them out. Because then they're the ones that don't have the leverage. And if you find yourself like a team like Washington that might decide to turn things over, What if you want to move the player and he doesn't want to get moved? Or what happens if you get a really, really good deal? I don't know. I'm just throwing a team out there. Let's say, you know, the Chicago Bulls. They got a deal in place for Beal. They're they're, they're willing to give Washington more than any other team in the league. But if Bradley Beal doesn't want to go to, to Chicago, they can't make the trade. And that's why even if the Knicks call up Washington and present a package which they might find suitable, he may not go. And there's rumors that, you know, he may prefer the Miami Heat because he's a Florida guy, maybe wants to go back there. I mean, look, Miami's in a situation where they look pretty attractive, don't they? Just going to the NBA Finals. Maybe Bradley Beal is somebody that would buy into the whole Heat culture thing. And, And as I've said, Heat culture works about as good as it does when you have good players. So adding somebody like a Bradley Beal, I don't think will do anything to hurt or to jeopardize Heat culture. But he's the one that holds all the leverage. He's the one holding the cards, as they say. Now, just like Christoph Porzingis was somebody who was injury prone, so was Bradley Beal. And that's always been my thing with him here the last couple of seasons. Whenever his name has been brought up, he's missed 75 games the last two years. That's a lot of basketball. Think about it. He's missed almost the equivalent of one full season over the last two years. You want to bring in a guy and pay a guy all that money, and that's what you get in return? Not me. All right, so let's speculate for a moment, right? Let's just assume 
that if you talk to Bradley Beal, he would entertain the idea and the notion of maybe going to the New York Knickerbockers. Maybe, just maybe. But before we do that, let's hear from Bobby Marks, who was on ESPN Radio talking about potential destinations. If you're Bradley Beal, you don't want to walk into a roster that probably would look like the current team you're on right now. I think it's a matter of if we start to learn about who these teams are, is it Miami? Would the Heat dip their toe in the deep end regarding Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and uh, draft picks? New York would be interesting as far as, for me, if I was New York, I would make a call, but I'm not offering anything good. One other thing about the Miami side of this, right? What are one of the things that Miami uses as a core value? Right up there with heat culture. Like when when you open the, the pamphlet for heat culture, what's on like page one? You know what it is? Defense. Got to play defense. It's what they pride themselves in. Bradley Beal played defense? I wouldn't trust Bradley Beal to guard a parked car. If I parked my car in the street in a sketchy area and I had Bradley Beal with me, I said, hey, Bradley, do me a favor, watch this. My car will probably be gone when I get back. So that's something you have to also contend with. You take the good, you take the bad. The guy's a marksman. The guy can score. The guy can shoot. But he can't stop anybody. All right, so look at a potential package here from the Knicks side of things. You got an Evan Fournier. Now, you're all trying to make the money match up, too. And as far as the upcoming season is concerned, Beal is making $46.7 million. 46.7. Fournier has an expiring contract, 19 million bucks or 18.9, round it up. Okay, so that's 19. Derrick Rose has a team option for this upcoming season. And you say to yourself, well, why in God's name would you pick up Derrick Rose's option? The guy barely plays, guy's on his last legs. Why would you take that salary and put it on your books? Well, this is why. Because if you're looking to bring in a guy who's making a ton of money like Bradley Beal, you need to get some dollar figures that are going to be able to match up the other way. So pick up Derrick Rose's option. That's another $16 million right there. So just those two players alone, that's $35 million. Now we're on to something. $35 million for a guy who's going to be making forty-six. All right, we're almost there. You're going to have to throw in one of the young guys. I know everybody loves the young players. You don't want to touch them. OB, Grimes, IQ could possibly get re-signed here this summer, get an extension. I would think that if I'm Washington, I'm calling him about Quentin Grimes more so than anybody else because he's a two-way player. And you also have a glut of draft choices. Lots of draft choices. In particular, you've got Washington's first round pick in 2024. How about that? And there was actually some movement from Washington's side of things before they decided to change up the front office to where the Wizards were actually calling around and trying to get that thing back, according to reports. So that's another carrot that you can dangle in front of them. Put this whole thing together. Fournier, Derrick Rose, a draft pick or two, one of the young guys. What do you think? Who says no? Who says no? Now, if it gives you options, as long as it doesn't hamstring you from potentially going out there and adding, because I don't want to look at Bradley Beal and say he's the missing piece. Like, if the Knicks had Bradley Beal on their team, I'm still not picking them to get to the NBA Finals next season. 
He's a good player. He's not the difference maker. We're not talking in those terms. Nowhere near that type of guy. Remember, you're talking about somebody who's never been bad at the second round either in his whole career. It would help. You know, Jalen Brunson, Bradley Beal backcourt, that'd be a lot of fun. Considering what Jalen Brunson had to do on his own in the playoffs and just like dying for help, like somebody, anybody to help. He would sign off on that. And if you put together a team of Brunson, Beal, Randall, Barrett as your big four, yeah, you're talking about a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Maybe you're talking about a team who maybe, just maybe, could go to a conference final. But is it a championship team? Can't say that it is. Can't. 800-919-3776. Marvin in the Bronx. Up next, my old buddy. Marvin, how we doing? What's up? What's up, D? D What's up, Marvin? How's things? a little history? Have a good uh, Happy Father's Day to you, man. Because I got a lot of people calling me on Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you. What's up, buddy? Can I, can I do a twofold thing here? First of all, I want to do a little history. Sure. Years ago, when I was in co- years ago when I was in college, I worked, I was a locker boy for the great sports writer Leonard Lewin, and one of the members of the Beast Club was Red Holzman. So I got to know both gentlemen, outstanding individuals, right? And they made a statement to me, and they go back to the days of the Bush trade. And I'll never forget that because it was on my mom's birthday, right? They said ever since that trade, a lot of teams have been leery of trading to the Knicks because they're afraid of the Knicks being the alpha dog in the NBA world. And that has stayed with me a long time. And the other thing is, I think the key to the Knicks winning a championship is the progression and improvement of Mitchell Robinson. If he, As he gets better, that team is going to get better. Because I know I'm being high stakes. His defense and his guarding of the, um, of the rim protecting the rim is among some of the best in the league. He just has to stay healthy, and when maturity sets in, I think it'll be a much better ball player offensively, and there lies, along with the, the Knicks um, front office, because mm-hmm. I think they have the right idea, is the future of this team. Marv, you know I love you, right? And look, Mitchell Robinson continuing to improve, it's not going to be a bad thing. It'll be much welcome for sure. But in this day and age, what to me is going to accelerate the Knicks on the fast track to get closer to being a championship team, they got to improve their shooting and they got to get another score in here. And I don't think Mitchell Robinson is going to help in either one of those categories, if you know what I mean. Okay. All right. That's that's just an observation. And I'm entitled to my opinion. Absolutely. And it's great listening to you. Great listening to you tonight. You give me more kudos than I deserve, but. I think the best of you. And did you talk to our buddy about our relationship? No, I have not yet, but believe me, it's coming. It's on my checklist. I'm going to see him I'm going to see him soon in a couple of weeks, and then that is going to be right on hey, the agenda. Hey, 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 I, hey, I love the both of you, man. You know, of course, I have a special bond with, with Dave because I started out with him, but you just, you just, you just like um, – you just push the envelope even further. Oh, you know what, Marv? That's what we do. We're envelope pushers. That's how we That's how we roll. You got to push it, baby. Be good, all right, Marv? You have a good night. Good hearing from you. There's our buddy Marvin in the Bronx. Always good to catch up with him. Look, I would hope that Mitchell Robinson's going to continue to improve. I would. But right now, you look at this team. When the dust settled, they walked off that floor in Miami. What do we say? What does this team need? They need some more scoring punch. 
and they need someone to shoot from long distance. That ain't Mitchell Robinson. It's never going to be his game. Not one of those bigs. Get me somebody who can shoot from behind the arc. Fill it up. Score some points. That's what we need. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, Tyler Kepner is going to join us coming up in just a little bit. Let's say hi to Mike at Carmel, who's up next. Michael, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Dan. How about yourself? Good, Mike. What's on your mind? I uh, just wanted to throw uh, somebody's hat out, you know, name out in the hat there and see what you think as far as uh, trying to improve the Knicks this offseason. And the guy I'd be interested in is Brooke Lopez. Hmm. You know what? You know, I think. Yeah, that, that's that's it's it's interesting because one thing that Brooke can do, Brooke can actually shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. The question yeah, is, absolutely. you know, he could drag the bigs away from the rim. And that's one of the things that's improved over Brooke's career. I mean, that wasn't when Brooke came into the league, when he was drafted by the New Jersey. I was actually in the draft um, at the Nets headquarters that night in East Rutherford when they drafted him, believe it or not, all those years ago, covering the draft. But <laughs> when they brought him in, I mean, he was a low post guy. Nothing more, nothing right. less. He's evolved and added a three point outside shot to his game and kind of adapted as to how the NBA has kind of evolved since he's been in the league here. That's not a bad call. I mean, shoot, his brother was on the team once upon a time. Question is, how much is he going to cost? Exactly, you know, and I was hearing at the end of the uh, playoffs, I believe that he is uh, coming up, you know, for a Oh, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. I would would definitely uh, pursue him because, like I said, uh, maybe you get a little uh, the Joker and Murray Light, you know, between him and Brunson. You got another scoring option inside. And uh, he he plays the defense. I think he's a good fit. I really would uh, like to see the Knicks go after Lopez. He he's somebody, Mike. And thanks for the phone call. He made thirteen million dollars a year in his last contract. His last contract was four and fifty-two. Okay, four for fifty-two, so about thirteen million a year. I got to look at the roster, and I got to get the numbers as to who counts for what and how much flight. Knicks are only going to have about the mid-level exception. You know, somewhere around that 11, 12 million range. Would Brooke Lopez be content in taking that? And then here's the other issue. You got Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein, they like. He was very, very good for this team last year. He plays his role to a T. Are there going to be enough minutes, reserve role minutes, for both of those guys to where they could both be effective? See, like when I'm thinking like, some outside shooting and scoring punch for the Knicks, it's probably in the manner of more of a wing player. Not a big like Brooke Lopez. But it's an interesting thought by Mike. It really is. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. All right, when we come back, we'll get to a little more baseball talk. Our good buddy Tyler Kepner, national baseball writer for the New York Times. He will join me coming up next. We'll get into all the Denver Nuggets parade stuff, a little football matters as well before we say goodnight. Grasa Show, till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back. Dan Grasa Show here on 98.7 ESPN on this Thursday night. Mets and Yanks have the night off after splitting the first round of the Subway Series in Queens the past two nights. And joining us now to talk a little Mets, Yankees, and all things baseball. It's our good pal, the outstanding baseball writer from the New York Times. It is our buddy, Tyler Kepner. TK, thanks for hopping on tonight. How are you? 
All right, Dan, how you been? No complaints. Enjoying the baseball season. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're almost at the All-Star break, but nevertheless, here we are. And, you know, once you get to this point of the season, you know, fans tend to kind of overreact about certain things. And certainly there's been, you know, a little bit of that, I think, on both sides of this rivalry here in New York. Let me, let, let me start with what happened here the last couple of nights. Each team takes a game in varying degrees of fashion, of course. Is there one overall takeaway that you drew from these two games of the Subway Series? Well, it was still pretty exciting baseball, even without uh, the two marquee sluggers, right? I mean, Judge is out and, and Pete Alonso's out, but there was still a lot of uh, a lot of buzz in the ballparks, and the games really delivered some really good, you know, both one-run games. Uh, Scherzer got knocked around a little bit in the first game, but Cole and uh, Verlander did their thing in the second game. So, um, you know, that was fun, but they, uh, you know, the, the bullpens kind of, Made it a little bit adventurous, but I think it was huge that the Mets um, that the Mets got a win in the second game. I mean, if they had lost both games at home and and some sloppy play involved there, and and the the losing had extended to ten out of eleven, that really would have just uh, you know kept the pressure dial up on them. And and I think this allows them to relax a little bit. They got the Cardinals coming in. Hopefully, they can take advantage of a team that's really really struggling uh, and and get back uh, you know get get some of their mojo back. Yeah, I try to tell people all the time, it's like, you think the Mets are a disappointment? That's nothing compared to the team that's coming into town this weekend. I mean, they're, they don't know what to do with themselves over in St. Louis. They've been such a calamity over there, but hopefully the Mets can feast on them for a few days. You mentioned Max Scherzer. And when you look at one of the reasons why the Mets, certainly maybe the chief reason why they haven't fired on all cylinders yet, it's the starting pitching. It's been very underwhelming so far this season. Do you believe that we will eventually see the Max Scherzer of old, or are we just going to see lack of a better term, an old Max Scherzer. I think it's the, it's the kind of thing where with, with, with pitcher, with the, with the great ones that age, you know, they can still, they can still do it every now and then, but it's just not as consistent. It's not that time after time after time where they just rack up these, um, you know, long streaks of, of greatness. You know, they, they still have it in them. I mean, we saw, you know, Verlander has, has had some ups and downs too, but um, you know, at his best, he's, he's, you know he's one of the best, and I think the same is with Scherzer. I mean, if he had his slider the other night, he doesn't. He didn't have his slider. It was like pitching uh, naked. He, he, <laughs> it was really hard for him to, you know, to to deal with not having a good slider, even when he was trying to bounce it. He was, he was sitting in the middle, um, you know, with a big hit me on it. So he knows that, you know, and, and and he's had good outings. He'll have more good outings. It's just you don't know quite what you're going to get from start to start the way you did when they were. Um, a little bit younger, maybe even just a year or two younger. So, I mean, you look at this rotation, and a lot of these guys have been inconsistent this year, and that's putting it mildly. We're almost halfway through the season. Do you think that, well, it's very unlikely there's a move to be made out there, given the fact what their payroll is right now, and we don't know if it's a seller's market just yet, but do you believe that this rotation will sort itself out, or do you think that this is something the Mets are just going to have to deal with for the remaining three and a half months of the season? Well, the funny thing is, is I kind of thought that they would come out of the gate strong because you know they, they and they would wear down as the season went on, and and they've come out of the gates a little, like I said, up and down. So um, it's it's going to be tricky. I don't know, you know, how much uh, how alluring the the starting pitching or the trade market will be at all. I think you know over the next month we'll see a lot. We'll see some teams 
you know, that, that look like they might have a shot now really fall out, and then, then you'll get some more guys on the market um, to do something, and that can always help. They'll get Quintana back. I mean, I think they're, 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 he's on the rehab trail now, and, and he was pretty good last year down the stretch for St. Louis, very good. So, you know, that's an arm that you can, you know, count on for, I don't know, a handful of starts, uh, you know, as, as a second-half guy, I guess. Um, so that's one that's one answer right there. And, and, and Senga's been pretty good. And then, uh, you know, then, then we'll see after the two big guys. Um, you know, Carrasco is, is, hasn't been uh, who, you know, he was a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's, they'll be out there looking. I don't think Steve Cohen, once you're in for this many hundreds of millions of dollars, you're not going to stop now. No doubt about it. And plus, with the rotation not doing its job, putting more of a strain on the bullpen, as we know. We're talking with Tyler Kepner of the New York Times here on 98.7 ESPN. As far as the Yankees are concerned, even though they haven't necessarily looked like world beaters consistently, they're still nine games over 500. And they're missing, you know, arguably the most valuable player in all of Major League Baseball and Aaron Judge. And I think that that's one thing you have to look at immediately is, you know, the rest of these guys in the lineup, they're just not doing their part. And and we know how big of an absence Judge is, but you still have some capable bats in that order, Tyler, that need to probably do a heck of a lot of better job producing if the Yankees are going to stay in this thing while Judge is out. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, you look Donaldson and, 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 Stanton and LeMayhew and Rizzo, I mean, you know, you're talking about veteran guys with long track records, um, but sometimes those veteran guys, uh, you know, are, are have seen better days. So, um, you know, Rizzo, Rizzo really carried the load early, and, and you know, he's, he's not been so great in, in June, but he's a pro. He'll, he'll be fine. Um, I'm not sure how much Donaldson has left. Um, you know, Glaber – is Glaber and, and you've got some guys you know, like this kind of for Lefa last night, right? He steals home and that was so exciting to watch. Um, but you know, he's, he's a limited kind of offensive player. They've got a lot of guys who just are sort of limited. And then you look out and see, of course, Aaron Hicks, they cut and he's, he's uh, doing great in Baltimore. So go figure. I mean, you know, like, go figure on that one. Him, Gary Sanchez in San Diego. You know, you got all these New York right. baseball alumni who are tearing it up in other cities right now. When you look at their starting pitching, okay, we know that Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole, but Severino's been hit hard the last couple of times out. Carlos Rodon, they paid him a lot of money, still waiting for him to throw the first pitch. How confident do you feel right now in the makeup of this Yankees starting rotation? Well, after, you know, Severino had a couple of really good early outings, especially the one against San Diego, I was really, um, you know, enthused about it. But it, it's been a little more of a struggle since then um, for him. And, of course, you know, health always sort of shadows him. Um, I think once Rodon, you know, gets gets back, and, and if he's anything like he was the last two seasons, um, that's a legit number two right there with, with Cole. Um, you know, of course, is, is one of the very best pitchers in the league. So, um, they're a, a team that you know could could certainly shore up the rotation a little bit, but I think if the rotation is is pretty good when you look around the league, it, it stacks up okay, and their bullpen's been terrific. So you know the bullpen's helped them win so many games. Um, you know those guys have been nails, pretty interchangeable. You saw last night when he was uh, Boone was holding back some of the best guys, uh, and they got to the pen a little bit. But you know that's going to happen. Um, the bullpen helps the rotation not have to do too much when you look at the yankees right now do you see championship caliber team i mean i know they're in the american league east i know the tampa bay is you know off to a rip-roaring start and they haven't had any sort of setbacks yet baltimore's playing incredible baseball toronto has a lot of talent but maybe they haven't fired on all cylinders yet when when you look at this yankee team 
Do you see championship caliber, or do you think it's just going to be hard for them to even find their way out of the American League East? Yeah, that's the tricky thing, right? When you say championship caliber, like, uh, you know, what does that mean? It, it, I think they're good enough to get in the playoffs, and then if they're hot, then then they'll see. I mean, you know, nobody would have said the Phillies were championship caliber last year, and they were two wins away from being uh, world champions. So it's it, it's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, you know, in the in the postseason, um, big bullpen arms often make a huge, huge difference. We saw that with Houston last year with all the strikeouts. We saw it with Atlanta the year before. Um, and I think they do have a lot of really good relievers who you could see shutting teams down in October. Um, you know, and, and if, if they can get three reliable, three and three and a half reliable starters, um, that might be enough, you know, if Judge is back and doing it. So it, it, it really comes down to who's hot then. Um, I think they have the foundation of good bullpen and an ace, um, but there's still a lot of swing and miss in that lineup, and that lineup at times um, does not remind me of a World Series kind of lineup. So I, I'd like to see a little more thump and a little more from some of the guys who've, uh, you know, who have those track records. Tyler Kepner, New York Times, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's talk about a couple of other things around the league. Uh, the Oakland A's situation is a disaster, and we don't know how much longer they're going to be called the Oakland A's, as a matter of fact. It seems like the Las Vegas thing is a go. State legislature in Nevada there gave the okay yesterday on the vote. And then you have the fans that showed up there with the reverse boycott the other night. The fans there are loyal. They're good fans. It's just they're not a fan of the ownership, plain and simple. How big of a job did MLB do when the Oakland A's do here and kind of botching this whole thing? Well, the Oakland situation has just become so, um, it's really been endless and it's not over to me until they put the shovels in the ground and, and really start. Um, but it sure does seem, um, like it's heading, uh, to, to Vegas without heading, without looking back. I mean, they, they've tried for decades now to, to get a ballpark there, um, They've tried in, in locations outside of Oakland, San Jose, and Fremont. They've tried locations within Oakland at the Howard Terminal, Laney College, uh, Coliseum site. Nothing has, has worked for one reason or another in California, whether they've been blocked by the, the uh, Giants territory or whether they haven't been able to get the funding. Um, they've put a lot of their own money into it to try to figure out in Oakland. I'm not sure it could work there unless they just – get a new owner and fully commit to maybe that policy and site since they already have the site, but they don't like it. So, you know, it's, I, I can't really blame MLB too much. I mean, this is a sport that's had one franchise shift in the last 50 years, um, that being the Nationals um, from Montreal. So it doesn't happen a whole lot in baseball, and it's not like it's sudden. It's not like it's unexpected. It's not like they haven't tried. So I can't blame them. What I worry about is, when I guess you can say when they go to Vegas, you know how viable is that market for um, for baseball? Uh, you know, it's a small market. Yeah, it's, it's will it will you just be creating another another Oakland, another another Pittsburgh, Tampa, Kansas City? Um, and I, I don't know that that's ideal. But then again, I don't know how many huge markets there are. So you know, I guess it's 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 exciting to think of a new place, but I do feel bad for those Oakland fans because even though the attendance, you know, has, is, is rarely great out there. Um, it's pretty obvious when you go there and even watch on TV that there's something special about the Oakland fan. They have an edge to them, a creativity, a, a special kind of passion, even though they are 
small in numbers. So I, I feel for the loyal fans out there, but I don't know how you can expect them to stay when they just never get a deal. Never get a deal out there. Yeah, 100%. And look, I mean, we've seen the way that that Las Vegas fan base supports the Golden Knights. They won a championship. You know, they're all into that, and that's hockey. So you would hope at least that they would be able to bring on and receive a baseball team and welcome them with open arms and support it consistently. But it also, I think, building a winner has something to do with that, too. Remember, Vegas went in there, the Golden Knights, and they were in the Stanley Cup final their freshman season. So I don't think we're right. going to say the same thing about the Oakland A's going to the World Series in year yeah, number one. Exactly. But you never know. <laughs> You never know. I mean, that was the perfect that was the perfect set of circumstances for the, for the Vegas Knights. I mean, it's the first team in town. They're an expansion team that's all their own. The rules are set up so expansion teams can win pretty quickly, and the cap and all that stuff. And they they follow through on it. And they've got you know an arena which is smaller than a ballpark. Even though the A's plan to build the smallest ballpark in baseball, they're they're, they're not asking for thirty thousand fans a night for eighty one dates um, for the Vegas Knights. So. A lot of factors went into making that team a huge success, and that's great. But I don't think all of it applies to uh, to a major league baseball team. The, the economy of MLB is just so different, and the volume of dates mm-hmm. um, that you need is so much greater. 81 games for sure. Maybe they could get some other things happening at the ballpark as well, concerts and you-know-what and other things there to be able to bring in the funding, but or the revenue, I should say. But you never know. We'll see how this thing materializes. Last thing, though, I want to hit you with, and we reminded of it the last couple of nights here in the Subway Series, and that's with the sticky stuff. And, you know, the foreign substances with these pitchers, we know all about Major League Baseball's crackdown and how they made it a point of emphasis this year. But it always seems like it's the New York teams that are affected more so than anybody else. And and the thing that in each and every one of these episodes you hear is that nobody seems to be on the same page, Tyler. You know, when you hear an official from MLB laughs it off and says there's nothing wrong with Drew Smith's hand, but he says the umpires on the field said it was the stickiest he's ever felt someone's hands. It just, you know, for baseball to implement something like this without there being a legitimate threshold as to what is too much, it just leaves us all kind of scratching our heads, does it not? Yeah, it's it's really it's really peculiar, um, and I don't know how they would really measure um, stickiness other than like a spin rate that is abnormally high compared to where it usually is for a guy, you know. And then you're then you're sort of checking with cause rather than just checking all the time, um, you know. That's certainly what what Max Scherzer has has advocated. Um, you know, he was one of the guys who who was caught. Drew Smith, obviously the other. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they need to look at it, but it's only happened three times uh, this season in all of NLP. So I don't know how big of a problem it really is. Well, we see pitchers that are struggling. You know, the Cy Young winners, for example, the last couple of, you know, from last year, Sandy Alcantara, Justin Verlander, guys like Alec Manoa, who's already been DFA. Dylan Cease is having an off year. Julio Urias. Do you think it's the sticky stuff, the pitch clock? combination of both as to why some of these top flight pitchers are just having a hard time so far this year yeah it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things i mean i think the pitch clock for, for one thing is is, is obviously gonna gonna alter guys rhythms um you know you heard about maybe having a hard time kind of you know ramping it back up from pitch to pitch um without those extra seconds um you know taking a little bit off your 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 fastball your command or your your health or whatever um so i think that's probably something to it um is this the wbc year two and i don't right. know a lot of um pitchers and it's from the wbc who are 
who are doing great. I, it's, it's impossible to know, you know, the impact of that. But, you know, Sandy Alcantara got ramped up a lot earlier to get ready for that. He hasn't been as good. Um, so, you know, it, it's really hard to tell. But, yeah, there are there are certain guys, you know, who, who just have been a lot less uh, reliable than you would have expected. Well, almost at the All-Star break, and then we really get into the nitty-gritty of this baseball season. But great stuff as always, Tyler. Appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon, but I appreciate a couple today. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. All right, so that is Tyler Kepner. We appreciate a couple of minutes from him. New York Times baseball writer and got a couple of great books out too. You can check it out. Uh, the one about the World Series, that's his most recent title. You check that out on Amazon, History of the World Series. Tyler knows that stuff inside and out, almost freakishly detailed, but very, very a good read. And you should pick it up um, if you are a baseball fan, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this show on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Um, you know, it's funny, we're talking about the Oakland A's thing there and the situation that is transpiring or. Certainly not the way that Oakland fans want them to. And, look, everybody's feeling it out there. If you're a longtime A's fan, even though it's out of your control, it's the ownership that just doesn't really care, and they've punted on the franchise, unfortunately. This was um, Brody Brazil, who is a uh, television broadcaster out in the Bay Area, NBC California. He does the uh, pre and the post on TV for the Oakland A's. This was him yesterday as a matter of fact once the nevada state legislature after the nevada state legislature passed their vote to allow the funding to go through with that new stadium for for um vegas which will likely roll out the red carpet and begin the process of the a's moving to vegas i want to be clear this is not the ultimate uh, relocation news um, but it is a pivotal step a defining step in this process i just want to share something uh today just in san ramon with my son here we go uh Saw I, knew, a kid, I knew this was coming. I saw a kid wearing an A's hat. Mm-hmm. And uh, to think that in 10 years, you won't be seeing that uh, around here, it's tough to, tough to swallow. It's, uh, it's something becoming extinct. It's been around here all my life, most of your life, and you won't see it. That'll be, be like an Expos hat. You know, the A's hat around here will be like an Expos hat. And um, yeah, sorry. Sorry, not sorry, to be honest with you. Um, well, I mean, that's raw motion right there. And certainly, you never want that to be your situation. Like, I remember when I was a kid. And, you know, you're a kid. You develop a love of sports, a passion for sports. And that's why, ultimately, you grow up and you get into a field like this and it becomes your livelihood, right? I mean, the the seeds are planted at an early age. And I remember that was one of the things that I thought about. You know, what would happen if the teams that I rooted for ever packed up and moved someplace else? Because there were, like, small examples of it. You know, growing up as a kid, I I wasn't real. I, I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't old enough to grasp the Baltimore Colts moving to Indianapolis. I just always knew them as the Indianapolis Colts, as long as I you know knew football. But then you know you're a little bit older, and then you have the situation that happened with the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns pack up and they move to Baltimore, and you're like, wow, you know, and you think about whatever whatever team it is, you know, that that you hold near and dear, right? Imagine that team all of a sudden no longer existing. You know, I, I've already talked about, like, I grew up, I was a New Jersey Nets fan, New Jersey, right? Diehard. Watched all the games, loved those teams. But I was a little bit older when they moved to Brooklyn. And at least for me, I mean, look, you know, I'm working in the business, you know, professional, and, you know, work kind of comes before everything else. And so, like, when that whole move happened, I was a little 
bit more removed from the situation. Like, I wasn't just clearly viewing it, like, with my heart as I would have if I was, like, 11 or 12, right? I mean, it's all right. They moved. What, what do you want me to do? What can I do? It's another team in our market. We're going to talk about them. They're just going to have a different look. But it, to me, it wasn't the same. You know, I was older. I was more detached. And that's how I try to explain it. But to be somebody, like, at a young age, to where, like, you're really invested in, in those formative years – when you're falling in love with sports and you have your favorite teams and it's part of your routine and baseball, for example, I mean, you know, baseball, that's your summer. Those innocence of your youth and, and those summer times and all you would do is you'd go out and, and, and play with your buddies, right? You'd watch baseball, you'd play baseball. And then if that's no longer going to be there, it's got to be tough. Although I will say this, I mean, I don't know if it takes the sting away from it completely, but nowadays... In 2023, with technology and the way things are, you still want to root for the franchise. It's kind of easy to do. You're not going to be able to maybe go to the games as much as you once would if they were still in the Bay Area, let's say. But, hey, you get the internet, you watch all the games online, or you can watch them on TV, right? I I mean, the technology now affords you to do all those things to where this wasn't like the Brooklyn Dodgers in the 50s up and moving to Los Angeles, to where all you could read about him was, you know, what was in the newspaper and the box score the next day. It's a completely different story. All right, one more hour still to play with. 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show. We roll till 10 on 98.7 ESPN.